Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. This is Pod Have Mercy. Welcome. Matt Russell is with me. We're also joined with the Reverend Rachel Shreddy. Hi. Yes. And this is your first podcast ever. My very first podcast ever. Wow. Are, you, are you excited? I am excited and nervous. No, don't be nervous. I've listened to you guys. We're professionals. You're yeah. the professionals. Yeah. You, we'll, we'll take good care of you. Just follow our lead. That's all you have to do. Well, it's uh, Rachel is one of our pastors on staff and works with parenting ministry and also works with our senior adults. Mm-hmm. And so as we talk about the things that have been going on in our lives, you know, usually you and I catch up and say, hey, what you been doing this past week? Right. You know, it feels like uh, um, kind of spiritual triage in a lot of ways. You know, I think folks are still kind of every day it feels as you and I've talked about, you know, there's new information and conflicting information and Houston just kind of is preparing to go under sheltering in. Two weeks, stay at home. Yeah. And I think that uh, we got off a Zoom call with <clears throat> some other pastors in our um, on our staff and talked about kind of mental, spiritual health. And there's just a lot of, kind of raises a lot of anxiety for folks. Yeah, yeah. And, that, yeah. and that's a lot of what I think is important for us to talk about today. So yeah. for those of, for those who, who follow or listen and they're not in Houston, we are, uh, been issued an order now shelter in place, stay at home. Uh, they call it different things. The mayor has been very, very, very important to the mayor to not say it's shelter Shelter, in place. No, no, we're just staying at home. Stay at home order. (laughs) Can't go out, can't do anything. But, but we are allowed at the church. We we will be allowed to, um, come in video for worship. And we're also allowed to engage in pastoral care on -on one-on-one basis in the need of an emergency. That's right. And so that's important for folks to know, yeah. And the food pantry as well. Oh, and our food, the serving ministry is allowed. That's essential, only essential duties or essential work is allowed. Mm -hmm. And of course, this morning we had our first thing. You talk about that. You were there early yeah. this morning, weren't you? Well, our, our yes, our um, serving team is just, I mean, they know their stuff. And so we there's a, um, a food pantry at our Fairhaven site that um, that uh, Blessings and Backpacks is also a, uh, um, a, has a connection to the Houston Food Bank. And so mm-hmm. they bought, they've dropped off both kind of um, um, resources for kids and food uh, yesterday. And then again, we received 12, 10 or 12 pallets last night to distribute um, uh, for tomorrow. Yeah. And so, so that was over at our Gessner Road campus with Fairhaven. Right. And then this afternoon, I'm going to yeah. Spring Branch Family Development Center. We're going to be handing out there. And then tomorrow as well, right? That's right. Tomorrow at, uh, at 10 o'clock at Fairhaven. At Fairhaven as well. So yeah. there's a lot of need. And we're going to find this now with this shelter in place or stay at home for two weeks. Schools are out. A lot of these kids that we're dealing with on the north side of our school district, Spring Branch Independent School District, we're on the west side of Houston. And not only in our school district, but HISD, you're aware, what is it? The numbers are 30% of children. Yeah, uh, one third of all kids in HISD are um, um, living in food scarce environments. Yeah, and so particularly with us in Spring Branch, uh, on the north side of our school district, we have a similar situation. So a lot of the times these kids would be, the only meal they'd get would be breakfast or lunch provided by school. And so we find in the summer, spring breaks, Christmas break are bad. So now we're looking at an extended at least two weeks maybe longer. Yeah. 
So it's important that we're, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of a church that has a passion for making sure that it's not just, that we're not just taking care of our members, which we're going to talk about just how you take care of yourself, yeah. how you take care of your family yeah. as you're on lockdown. Yeah. You know, uh, a guy called me yesterday and he said, I said, how are you holding up? He goes, he goes, I've never spent so much time with my family in a short amount of time. He's like, I've got to get out of the house. I'm like, dude, well, you better get out quick because yeah. tomorrow you're just yeah. staying home. So I don't know what you're going to do. But right. well, one of the things I think it's important for us to talk about and the reason we got Rachel in here today too is to talk about, you know, we've never, we've never faced anything like this yeah. from a situation, even with Harvey, where we were shut down and people were sheltered in place, you could still get out and about. You yeah. know, even if you got out of your house, you could still move around community. You weren't limited from social, you know, there's no social distancing. You weren't limited with human connection. And so you could get out. It wasn't that long before school started back up. Um, and you also had a huge volunteer base. So even if someone was alone, they could go visit, they could go take them meals or take yes. them the food or visit them yeah. and, and sit with them. This is very different very. because we're all asked to hole up. And even here in our studio today, uh, starting tonight at midnight is stay at home order, but we're spread out a little bit different than we normally are to try to keep some social distancing between yeah. us. <laughs> and uh, I, I think about the ways that this impacts and affects us. This article that, um, that Jeff got us, I thought was fascinating, but it talks about the ways that this researcher uh, Nicholas Christakis from uh, physician at Yale University talks about how this thing uh, that's now causing all of us to to be disconnected, seeing our friends, you know, the, the things that, that make us who we are as human creatures that gather us in connection where we get together with groups, we're able to uh, touch one another, we're able to hug one another and be with one another and visit with one another. You know, just the thing you think about going out and having a a beer with somebody or, right, right. or uh, a meal with someone yeah. or catching up on a play date. Think about with all the kids. I know we'll want to talk about that in a little bit too, but he, he, they, they interviewed him and he talks about the, the mental and the physical health of this decreased social. And there's a lot of research that's been done about social isolation. Yeah. And one of the first things they talk, talk about is that it actually increases other health risks. Yes like depression, dementia, heart disease, because when we are disconnected from one another, one of the things that social contact says is it buffets the negative effects of stress in your life. Yes, that's right. So we have a lot of vulnerable people that were already vulnerable and we think, oh, social isolation, it's easy for some of us to say, well, I got a two week vacation, that's yeah, great. Netflix but that is all not, the way. No. there's a lot of people that uh, this will impact in very Absolutely. negative ways. Yeah. We've already seen a spike uh, um, in kind of just um, psychotropic drugs, you know, with, for anxiety, depression that's gone through the roof. People are calling their GP saying, I, I, I can't I can't handle this. Hmm. Right. And so there's a I think it 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 uncovers this kind of generalized sense of fear that we have that we live with. And we don't know when this is going to end. We don't even know what this is. It kind of taps into these these deep fears. And then you add isolation on part of that. We are. We are tribal creatures. I mean, this is the first problem in our story in the Bible wasn't that sin had to be overcome. It was isolation. It was that this human creature was alone, yeah. right? And so, and that's the first thing God says. It ain't good. No, <laughs> you know? it's not good. 
<laughs> it's not good to be alone no. and you shouldn't be alone. Or just with your children. It's not good. <laughs> yeah. And even, so even, so even people like my mother, right? My mother lives at home. She has since my stepfather passed away in 2014. Mm. She lives alone. She likes to live alone. She likes kind of to be left alone, mm -hmm. right? But all of a sudden now that she has, has to, to be yeah. alone yeah. mentally, yeah. It's yeah, a completely it's different yeah. situation for her. Yes. And so now she's actually dealing with depression that like, you know, you're doing the same thing you did two weeks ago, but now it's very different right. now for you in your life. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. There's a deep sense that there is, um, there's mental health and the ability to have options. And if your options begin to be decreased and you don't have those options and you feel um, not only isolated, but you feel like you don't have the options to get out of where you're at. I think that's why, you know, part of the way that torture happens in wartime is that we isolate the person from, you know. And so that's why even in our prisons today, solitary isolation Right. Um, is really you have all of these human rights groups that are saying that is that is this should not happen. Yeah. You should not take a human person and put them alone. You know, and so I think that um, one of the I mean, I think one of the unintended things out of this is we're going to begin to see that communities like Chapelwood are increasingly going to become more important. I think um, so. Not only in the midst of this, but after this, I hope mm -hmm. um, so. Yeah, the other thing they talk about is that there are um, certain there's certain demographics that are more susceptible. Yeah. Social isolation and loneliness, particularly older adults. Someone sent me a, uh, an email this week saying that they really wanted us to make sure and find time to talk about not just on the podcast, but even on Sunday mornings or as we send information out about people who who are very isolated widows or widowers or people who are single and it's not the same just to pick up the phone and talk on the phone as it would be. And there, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of struggle on our part. I think mental health is gonna be a huge issue. One of the things that we're trying to set up now, I think is mm -hmm. opportunities for people to sure. call and connect for 30 minutes with someone, just to have a mental health That's checkup. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's very important. Yeah. It's one thing to call and say, hey, how are you doing, what'd you do today? It's another thing to talk about Hey, how, how are you doing in your soul? How's yeah. your... Yeah. Yeah. We also talked about the necessity of, in those kinds of groups that we'll be setting up, of, of also just um, just having connection points where we're... It's, I don't know if, if right now is a time to go really deep into our fear, mm -hmm. you know, because I think sometimes then you get off the phone and you feel lost because then you're alone. You know, right. but is there, uh, in, our, in these groups that we're setting up, ways of just... Um, keeping it not just light, but how do we connect, you know, mm. and how do we then, I know we got one of our, uh, the Oikon group talked about today, playing card games online with each other. Yeah. Technology compensates for social distancing mm -hmm. and differences, but uh, it also, there's some downsides to it. Yeah. It talks about, you know, you've got now, you've got texting, you've got email, You've got Skype and FaceTime and Zoom. These are great things that help us stay in touch. Uh, so really, if you think about it, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of blessing that we live in an age where we're able to have the technology with us that we have. But he says, even though we have that, these modes of communication don't entirely replace face-to-face -face interactions. When we interact with other people, a lot of meaning that's conveyed, he says, between two people is actually not conveyed in the actual words, but in the nonverbal behavior. 
And so all those subtleties of body language and facial expression and gestures, yeah, yeah. they get lost in electronic media. Yeah. It's not as good as face-to-face -face interaction. It's, it's better than nothing, but it's still really limited. And so when people are engaged, I know I put something on Facebook, so how are you engaging in a lot of, of, of folks sitting back saying, I'm having story time with my grandkids every night on FaceTime. That's and they, they say it's great. Yeah. But you know that's not the same yeah. as having them sit in your lap. No, that's right. And reading them a book. No, We talked about before we went live that, that, that idea that there's, I mean, because we are people of the incarnation, right? We believe that God put flesh and blood on, uh, put flesh on, that there's no substitute for flesh. You know, that, that our idea as we head into Easter of the bodily resurrection, that, that this body got up. So we're people of the body. The body means something to us. Flesh means something mm -hmm. to us. And so um, I think in the, in the meantime, these kinds of te technological advances that we have are helpful, but they're not enough. At the yeah. end of the day, you know, it's, it's a hand that I need to hold. I, you know, hope and pray that we put technology in its right bucket mm -hmm. in this season. I think it's become so much a centerpiece of our lives mm. that it takes away from real human connection. And I wonder if going through something like this will help us to, instead of allowing technology to master us, that we master mm -hmm. technology to use it for the purposes that help us to succeed where we need to succeed, but not to replace yes. real human interaction. Yeah. And the last thing he points out here, which is really important for us as we think about gathering for worship, is that how does it impact you? What, what do we miss as a human society when we're not able to go to a concert, when we're not able to go to the yeah. Astros game, when we're not able go to go to church and worship together? And a uh, hundred years ago, uh, Durkheim, Emile Durkheim, yeah used a phrase, French sociologist uses the phrase collective effervescence to describe the shared emotional excitement that people experience during religious ceremonies. Yeah. And I would say the same thing is true. Um, let's take the Rockets, yeah. James Harden, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if you've yeah. been to a Rockets yeah. game or a professional basketball game and your team is good, there is nothing that's oh. more energetic and alive yeah, you're at the opening you don't know. of this thing. So <laughs> went to a playoff game a couple of years ago and you just are, you are, you're yeah. hug, literally hugging, hugging people, you never met. high-fiving them, <laughs> spitting all over people, yeah. drop. I mean, it's just great. There's something that is built there around your sports team. You know, so there's, what they say is that there's cohesiveness yeah. that is built, that pulls us together. And so whether it's an NBA game or whether it's an Astros game or whether it's a concert or maybe it's church, uh -huh. there's something that fills us where, where we are all together are lifted in an emotional moment at the one time around a shared experience yeah. that binds us together. It, it reinforces core ideas, core beliefs. Uh, you know, when, when everyone elevates at that same time, crescendo, you know, there's something that it, it's exponential. So it's not just, Hey, I felt that mm -hmm. we all felt that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's like a hundred yeah. times more That's right. than if we had been there by ourselves. That's right. That's right. And we're missing yeah. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the last thing I think I'll just is from a spiritual perspective is, you know, this week, last week, you know, I preached on Jesus feeding the 5,000 
And there's a lot, there's so much there about scarcity and about yeah. Jesus being present where there's need that speaks to where we are. And, and this week, the text is from John six, where Jesus, uh, they, they leave, he goes up on the mountain to pray after he feeds, feeds the 5,000 and he misses the boat. So the, they take off to the other side to Capernaum, I believe. Mm -hmm. And the storm rises up and Jesus walks out on the water to meet them out there. Yeah. And the scripture says that in that beginning of that passage huh. that uh, when evening came, huh. the disciples went down to the sea. They got into the boat. They started across the sea to Capernaum. And I love this sentence. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. And there's something about the darkness uh, in these days that we find ourselves yeah. now in yeah. this difficulty, these different ways of dealing with this virus, with social distancing, with all these things that are happening in our lives. I've heard it described by a lot of people as a sense of dealing in darkness. We're traveling in darkness. We don't have a template for this. We don't have a playbook for this. No. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Yeah. We don't know if they're going to turn the economy back on in a week or if it's going to not be turned on for eight weeks. I mean, yeah. we don't know the answer to these questions. And so we don't even know what we're fighting against. You yeah. can't see yeah. coronavirus. Yeah. And so when you're in the darkness, I love the idea of our spiritual forefathers and foremothers who used darkness as the spiritual setting by which we're invited to trust not only ourselves, but to trust God. Yes. And to learn that, that we don't know everything, we can't see everything. Yeah. And that uh, yeah. to learn to trust in God and God's sustaining provision for us. And so in the Christian spiritual That's tradition, good. darkness is not necessarily bad or evil. It's not something to be avoided. Mm -hmm. Darkness rather is simply when things are obscured yeah, and we're honest. driven now to trust God with our lives. That's right, mm -hmm. that's right. It's part of the human reality darkness, mm -hmm. right? I love that, 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 uh, as I've kind of just kind of been preparing for this Sunday and, and, and the, the service, I've looked at that text and think about the water too, you mm. know, that the water in the new, in the old Testament was always about chaos, was always about things that come out of the deep, mm -hmm. you know, with always about, uh, in Genesis, it was the spirit of God that was brooding over. Yeah. You know, the water and it's out of that primordial stuff that we and in, in, in psychology, Jung always talks about the shadow side, always uses the image of water as the things and the unconscious that we aren't aware of that might overwhelm us. Mm. And so I think mm. here's Jesus walking on that mm -hmm. has 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 is saying, um, um, I'm your God, mm -hmm. you know, um, that I am present in the midst of the darkness and the chaos. And there's something about that as you preach this weekend, I'm just going to hang on to that. Yeah. So, so it better not suck, John. I'm, I want you to know my mental and spiritual life That's is why uh, I'm working on it. That's why I'm working on it so hard to get ready. You know, it's, uh, I'm, it, I'm kidding. Cause and I want to say like last week, um, was, was really wonderful for me and my family as well. Just listening to you preach and, and just being together, worshiping, you know, alone, but together. Yeah. It was like, okay, you know, you, you said something early on in your sermon. I'm keeping you in my mind. Mm -hmm. And as, as you said that, it helped me to think, oh, wait, there's folks all over the city 
in our community. I, I'm going to keeping them in my mind. There, as we there've worship. been a lot of things online. You, you sent me one where preachers are preaching in front of their churches and they have pictures of yeah. the families yeah. all in the pews. Yeah. And so they're, they're visualizing yeah. them there. And yeah. it, it is different. I mean, it's you, you did it the week mm. before to preach in a, to an empty room. Yeah. And uh, to preach to a camera, you. Ha- but for me, it's like I'm looking through that camera yeah. mm-hmm. and seeing all Everybody. those people that are normally yes. seated there. Yes. On, I yes. think it's going to change the way we think about engaging in online ministry. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we've always treated that as just sort of an observational crowd that's not yeah. really connected. And now it's the crowd. Yeah. It is the body of Christ that's that we're right. connecting to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Rachel, yeah, you have. All right, so. <laughs> You have like little kiddos. I have a four-year-old, soon to be five. Mm. I have a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old. Wow. So what is this past week? Or so last week was spring break anyway. Last week was spring break and we chose to treat it as such um, in our family. You're in trouble now going forward. <laughs> so now it's, uh, well, oh, yeah. yeah, day two of homeschooling, mm. home working. Well, yesterday, so how my day began was this message to parents went out over the interwebs. And you were the voice of like, here's how you do it. Yes. Well, not so much here's how you do it, but you can do it. Be you and you can do this. And then hours later, I am on a conference call and Nathaniel just screams and cries and the child has swallowed a Lego. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was Building a small. <laughs> it was a small Lego, just the the, the round, you know, one dot Lego. Okay, but it, okay. he said it was spiky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it was a specialized piece. <laughs> anyway, it went down and this too shall pass. This too shall pass. <laughs> it hasn't yet. Nobody will. <laughs> but I'm. Oh, yeah. Yes, it will. Enough applesauce. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing he likes applesauce. <laughs> So anyway, it was really funny that like here you, know, you can make this a game. Pester and <laughs> make, you, yeah. can, you can make this a game like every day. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, like he hide and seek for the <laughs> let no, go. I'm part. not even going to. <laughs> All right. Anyway, going. Yeah. No. That, no, I, I don't so, want to go into the gory no, details. No, I, I know. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> we cover all the bases here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you've got, but you've also got teenagers. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and they're doing, they're doing really well. Um, getting up in the morning, um, getting after their uh, schoolwork. And, um, but my 14 year old said, she just seemed kind of eh today. And I said, what's going on? And she said, I just am ready to be at school. Mm. So I was thinking, oh baby, we got a lot of days of this, but they're, they're really great kids and everyone is doing the best they can. Yeah. yeah. So we've got, you know, in addition to talking about you know, older folks who are isolated and, you know, need to think about their, their being and their health. We also have households that are full of people mm-hmm. yeah. and a lot of them that are full of little ones. Mm-hmm. I've got two young adults, 22 mm-hmm. and 19. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I deal with, maybe, I don't know if your, your kids, it's like they want to go be with their friends all the time. Mm-hmm. This is a part of their identity and mm-hmm. to say, no, you can't go in a right. car load with Starbucks to, it right. seems innocuous to them. Right. But I wonder, as we're thinking about speaking a word of encouragement to parents with kids, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a whole new world for even them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of, um, 
Well, there's a lot of boundary setting. And I think that it kind of varies according to the age of your, of your kids. Um, but, yeah. you know, with preschoolers, I mean, and, and elementary children, I mean, it's been very, very clear. And um, I, my approach is I tackle things as they come. I mean, we've explained things, but it's more of this unfolding. And then mm-hmm. as things arise, we'll kind of deal with it because we don't have sometimes all the information to make a hard and fast decision about about anything in any given moment, except when it's presented to us. So, you know, with my preschooler, it's, you know, answering questions factually, correcting misinformation, um, and just assuring him that he is safe. Mm -hmm. And that is the most important thing. And, um, and we will take care of you and, but, but we can do something about this. We can be germ busters. We can wash (laughs) our hands. We can, um, stay at home and not, not spread germs. And, um, you know, we keep it on a routine, a routine rather than a schedule. I think the routine yeah. feels better to us. It's this comes next. Um, one thing oh, after so another, so rather than time the time. Sensitive. It's yeah. Just and that's works for our household. Okay. Um, is, is just the order. I've seen, there's been the COVID, uh, time chart mm-hmm. for, have you seen those, the mm-hmm. color coded charts, like yeah. from this is like the regimented. Right. Right. And that can work for some families that would completely stress our family out. Yeah, okay. And so, um, you know, if it works for you, great. Um, doesn't, isn't so great for us. So, uh, it's just, yeah. Establishing a routine. So for the littlest, littlest ones, you're saying just be honest, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's okay uh, to say, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not really sure about that, but we could find out. You know, we can get on the computer and Google um, and um, to try to find out the answers to questions. But it's also like redefining what compassion is. And we talked about this in the um, in the center this past Sunday. But it's so we're used to compassion thing, but it starts in our hearts and then it comes out through us, through our bodies. And so it's to touch somebody. It's to give to somebody. Mm. But it's not, we can't do that right now. And so it's kind of the compassionate act is to withdraw physically. Um, The compassionate act is to not go and buy out everything at the grocery store so that others can't have it and hoard it. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, so it's it's figuring out, uh, it's looking at compassion a little bit differently. And, um, And so explaining that to four-year-old is that we just we're being together because they understand about colds when they're in preschool they're giving each other germs all the time oh, yeah. so they talk about it and um, Nathaniel's mm-hmm. teacher did a really good job um, because I w- of explaining because I would hear him washing his hands and he would say the coronavirus isn't affecting children, but we still have to wash our hands. Nope, children are getting sick. And he says it with such confidence, you know, make me feel good that, okay, you know, yeah. there's a lot we don't know about this thing yet, but he's feeling, he's feeling a sense of safety. Yeah. So, um, so that's probably, that, that's really good. Probably the most important thing. Yeah. Um, with elementary schoolers and middle schoolers and, you know, every kid, has a different personality and parents know their children best, but to be able to say to your kid, it's not your job to worry. You don't have to worry about this. Some kids absorb like a sponge, Mm -hmm. you know, so much. And to be able to release them and help them to release themselves from from the worry, I'm um, to say it's not your job. And then Mr. Rogers so famously said, you know, in times mm-hmm. of crisis, look for the look helpers. For the helpers. Yeah. Look for the good news. Look for the gospel, right? Yeah. And so if we can help our kids to look for that, I mean, we're, it's a, a huge teaching moment 
to, uh, from looking at the glass half empty to the glass half full. Hmm. And so looking for the good news, looking for the helpers. That's something we all could do. Yes. I saw something on social media and it was a, a picture of, of nurses and doctors from Italy hmm. after all day. And they still had the marks on their faces from the the masks they wore, the goggles they wow. wore. And it was just a powerful thing to think about. Here are the people that are, mm-hmm. that are helping us. So yeah. Yeah. that's a good, that's a good yeah. insight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, and then when our kids get to be middle schoolers and high schoolers and, and young adults, <clears throat> I think the question twitch, uh, switches to how can, how can I as a parent support you? You know, what do you need from me? Uh, because there's, I mean, there's, they are getting no at every turn. No, you can't go out. No, you can't go over to your friend's house. No, no, no. And so if we can turn that to, this is what we're dealing with. I mean, now it's handed down from, you know, powers greater than our family. How can I support you through this so that you can get through this? So um, can I help you manage information? Can I send you articles? You know, because they're on their phones, right? Can I send you articles to help you understand this? Um, Can I encourage you to get to bed at a decent hour instead of staying up till three and waking up at 11, you know? Um, How would you like me to do that? Um, How can I, you know, as far as like mealtime, it'd be eating nutritiously, or you wanna run together, Would would that be helpful? But approaching it from giving them the power to say what they need mm-hmm. and to get, get in t- inviting them to get in touch with that mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That's would be my first, yeah. and that is actually um, how we're handling it with our, with our daughters. That's our first. Um, well, and that's one of the duties of, of being a parent yeah. is you're, yeah. you're trying to prepare them for adulthood. Mm-hmm. And so there's a huge in between period where they think they already are adults and you know, they're not. Right. <laughs> and so you have to coach them up. I always mm-hmm. thought of it as more like, Really coaching true. them up, right? That's really true. There was a uh, an email that went out uh, earlier today, uh, Jim Harrington and Trisha Taylor, and they sent this uh, video out and about anxiety and dealing with anxiety. And there were three things real quick that they said that I thought were hilarious. Uh, they said anxiety makes us stupid. Mm. Not that you are stupid, but yeah. anxiety makes us stupid because yeah. your feelings go up and your thinking goes down, yeah. and we have difficulty then access, accessing the grounding beliefs of our life. Yes. So we're not right. rational anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we have to think about that and, and sort of, you know, we're going to be anxious in this time. I think that's kind of funny that Paul says, don't be anxious. It's kind of impossible. Also, he says that uh, folk, anxiety focuses on things that are out there instead of us focusing things that are inside <laughs> of right. us. And always the enemy is out there. And the threat is out there and we don't do enough self-work and self-care. I found this to be yes. the case in talking to people that they want to be doing things. They want to be helping. They want to be going. They want to start a, a, you know, a soap factory or a Purell factory or something. It, it, these are all great things, by yes. the way. But it's like our, our compulsion to do something is, is focusing on something that doesn't allow us to do the self-work yeah. to deal with the yes. stuff inside of us. Yeah. Darwin said that um, humans are the only species that when they are lost, increase their speed. 
Mm. Right. And so there's a sense in That's which, so good. isn't that great? There's, there's a sense in which collectively. He's really smart, by the way. I just remember stuff, obscure things. <laughs> <laughs> there's a sense in which that, that our society feels lost and the first reaction is what's all speed up yeah. and do nothing together really quickly and really inefficiently. Where um, I think that what we learn in Christian meditation is to slow our breathing down, to get in the present moment, because anxiety creates a story, an unreal Mm -hmm. othered story. And when I think about what I'm anxious about, is there going to be enough? Is there going to be enough food? Is our folks Mm -hmm. going to be okay? Is all these things. Mm -hmm. When I think about today in this present moment, um, our church has set up food banks. I don't know of hungry people that don't have access to food right now, right? You know, so the the present reality that we're in, and like you had said, we need to think pragmatically and practically, and let's, we're gonna plan that, but then come back into this present moment and know that God is meeting our needs in real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is the um, if things change, we'll figure out how to, to change with those times. Yeah, and part of the, mm-hmm. I shared this last week on a video that went out uh, to to Chapelwood is that yes. I find in all the tactical preparation, you know, you got to get the groceries for two weeks and you got to handle this yeah. and you got to organize mm-hmm. the team and you got to check on the food distribution and that you're, you're, you're doing all these logistical items, you're gauged in all this activity and you can lose a conscious, the conscious, a conscious sense of the presence of Christ in yeah. the moment. Yeah. The next thing you know, you've gone through three days and you haven't really noticed God present anywhere, but God's present in all of this everywhere. And I think a really good activity for us all to engage in is to ask ourselves regularly as we stop, where is Christ in this moment right here? And, and how am I contributing to the work of Christ in this moment right here? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I think, you know, at home with kids, calling to you from all corners of the house (laughs) and you're trying to meet their physical needs with getting a meal out and your phone is dingling in from, you know, all the different things. Um, I get, can get so overwhelmed and then I get really snippy and then I might, you know, just totally lose it. But in my better moments when I just feel the wave, I mean, and for me, Uh it's a wave, Mm -hmm. you know, if I can ground myself, if I can like feel my feet on the floor, yeah. okay? I mean, I mean very physically feel them touching the floor and then breathe and then just let the oxygen come and just fill me. Um, I can come back to myself. Um, I can come back to center. Um, and that is a very simple but deeply spiritual act for me. And it's, and it might take a little bit. And I mean, two seconds later, I might, you know, the wave might be coming again, but it's coming back to that. Mm-hmm. And um, for people that are k- giving care to others um, and trying to meet their, their needs. And um, I, anyway, I think that that might be helpful. Um, it is for me at least. Because, um, yeah. you know, spirit is connected to breath. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know this yeah, just from yeah. our language study, yeah. our word study in scripture. And um, so, mm, so yeah, just that deep and, breathing. You know, um, some people may not know that you and your husband, Michael Shreddy, is also on staff at mm-hmm. Chapelwood mm-hmm. and is a pastor at the Center of mm-hmm. Christian Spirituality, mm-hmm. our contemplative community. Yeah. And when you, I think on the Stay Connected page, we're going to have a lot of links there. It's interesting to me on our call this morning, there's 
Uh, there's opportunities for centering prayer on mm-hmm. Monday and Wednesdays, mo- Wednesday mornings that, that are led. Uh, there's uh, a contemplative worship service that if people yeah. need to dig deeper and, yeah, and really right. kind of sit mm-hmm. in the presence, that that worship service is there yeah. as yeah. well that gives people the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, what I thought I'd end with and see what you had to add is I posted on uh, Facebook this week just asking people, Hey, what are you? What are you doing? What are you learning? What are you experiencing or planning in these practices and quarantine and social distancing? And just was a word of hope uh, for me to hear from all these people. Lara said, "I'm taking opportunity to teach children some life skills and making them take on more responsibility around the house." <laughs> I wonder if Lara could come to my house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, Cindy said, I am enjoying reading the commentary and the articles in my study Bible. I normally look scripture up and I don't take the time to soak it all in, um, which I thought was fascinating. Paula said, I'm watching online to find as much as I can. She's not doing too well with the social distancing. Mm. Paula, we love you. It's going to be okay. We'll Mm. we'll make it through this. I love this picture. Yeah. One of my highlights, my youngest son, Nico, Trisha said, initiated creative writing time in the backyard patio. And we write our favorite moments and share them as a family. Mm. Fantastic. Uh, one of our guys on staff, Gabe and his family pulled out the paints and the paint sets and they're all gathering around and engaged in creative arts and, and painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy said, still trying to keep it light, keep the screen time to a minimum. Going to do some homeschooling, which hasn't happened since a long time ago. Uh, Nancy said, we're taking things more slowly, spending time in the kitchen, talking more openly relationship issues, getting outdoors. Mm-hmm. John is a great guy. Took to heart your comment this morning to call your older friends. Have made already made a calling list and roster of some old high school so classmates. Nice. Courtney said daily exercise as a family, family exercise. Wow. Uh, we haven't done that yet. Quiet time. <laughs> Card games, puzzles, family movie every night. We have watched uh, all eight Harry Potter movies the last eight nights. Woo. Wow. Yeah. Great. So we have nothing to do now for films. the next two weeks. <laughs> Dion said, calling a long list of friends and acquaintances to check in, catching up on videos and work. And, you know, you just go on this, uh, somebody's going to be calling their students, um, rolling out distance learning, reading that stack of books, Tammy said, I've amassed over the past few years. Yeah, that's good. Um, And I love Joe as a friend of mine from Georgia. He said, I'm learning that I need to extend a lot of grace to everybody, that I need to remember that no one person, group, company, that I'm dealing with has ever dealt with a situation right. like this. Yeah. So just great stuff mm-hmm. that people are already learning and growing and connecting yes. with on uh, to, to share this. It's good. There's a gifts mm-hmm. in this. There, you know? there are there's, gifts. There's gifts in this. Yes. I think the key is for all of us, finding where Christ is present yes. in this yes. and teaching our children to look for Christ present as well. But I think it all starts with us, parents, Mm. adults, older adults, all of us. Uh, God is calling us to do a work in our soul. Yes. Uh, There is some some tilling, some work, and it's very uncomfortable for us, Yes. uh, this change. But but as Rohr says, the two ways that you really grow in life, one is through the experience of great love, and the other is through the experience of great pain or crisis. Mm in life. And hopefully, hopefully we're all experiencing some great love in the midst of great Great pain pain and crisis. Amen. Well, I'm John Stevens. I'm Matt Russell. And this, 
Oh. Don't leave me out. Oh, let's do it. Hey, we had a rhythm. All right. So. Sorry, I messed up the rhythm. No, take two. All right, you ready? I'm John Stevens. And I'm Matt Russell. And I'm Rachel Sheretti. And this is Pod Have Mercy.